When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Chicago Audible podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to the final installment of our 2021 Countdown to Camp series, as we just have one final position to preview. I'm Errol Soldewitt, and I am so excited that you are here because you are in store what should be an incredible episode. Throughout the summer, we have talked about 87 of the 90 players on this roster. We put every single position underneath the microscope except one. It's time to wrap things up as today's episode is a complete preview of the Chicago Bears quarterbacks. And to help me preview this position, I have both of my co-hosts, Full House today, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. And Nick, I know we have an update that I've been just dying to tell folks all day long. I know we can't really get into complete details just yet. We don't even know what complete details look like right now, but do you just want to kind of do the honors, man? Yeah, absolutely. So today I had the opportunity to be a part of an hour and a half long Zoom meeting with members of the National Association of Black Journalists. And we were there with what seemed like the entire Bears communications team. And basically the premise of the meeting was to try and get media entities that are not the Tribune, the Sun-Times, the big players in, in you know Bears coverage, more access. And with more access, going to games, covering practices, potentially getting players for interviews. So in this meeting for an hour and a half. And that was like the entire whole entire meeting was about how can we bridge this gap to get this access to, you know, people like us here at the Chicago audible. So after the meeting was concluded, I got a text message from one of the bears communication team members and essentially paraphrasing here. They, they won, they know about the Chicago audible and they know about the great work that we do and how professional that we are. And they're looking to take the next step with us to, get that access to get maybe that inside look that you know some of the bigger uh media entities kind of get so that was the news today and i get you know i get this i immediately tell will i'm kind of like 
outside running around with my, my dog just kind of like finally it, it's it's happening and we got to see where it goes from here because nothing at this point is official but we got the word that we're making the right step steps in the right direction to potentially get there to provide that that access that i think all of our fans would love to have and that we've been trying to get will <laughs> what seems like forever now but that was the news so once we we get more information on what that looks like of course we will we'll let you guys know and see what what ends up happening yeah it's again we don't know all the details but nick you said it feels like forever we've been doing this podcast now for over six years and we're excited to see what can kind of happen and i'm proud of the bears for looking at themselves in the mirror a little bit here and figuring out you know just because we've always kind of kept those bloggers and podcasters a little bit of arm's length away. Maybe we can, you know, embrace them a little bit. They do a lot of good work, good coverage, and it's better for all Bears fans because everyone has different flavors. We all subscribe to different journalists that cover this team, and I know a lot of people look at us as someone that is covering the team. And now with a little bit more access here this season, I'm excited to see what that can do with, you know, our content and how we can elevate it to just that next level, which we always look to get better. And uh, I think that's a great reason just to remind people, again, we're only six reviews uh, from 700 on Apple Podcasts and putting those in, showing that you're listening and you care about the show does go a long way. And I think the Bears noticed that. So thank you to all 694 people who have left a review. And if we get that other six additional and we hit that 700, we will give away that free Bears jersey to one lucky reviewer. So just a quick uh, reminder and aside uh, on top of that. But Nick, Mason, congratulations all the way around the horn. Yeah, we're, we're doing it. It's just fun to be a part of this. Uh, you know, obviously I came in a little later to this thing. And the work that, you know, you, Will, and you, Nick, have done on this is, is just amazing. So it's just, this is fun. You know, that's the only way I can put it. Yeah, uh, my son AJ at dinner when I was telling him about this, like, oh, so you're going to like have Justin Fields on a podcast like all the time? I'm like, yeah, probably not. Don't think that's where this is going right away, but you never know what things can do here uh, in our future. But speaking of Justin Fields, we have a great show in store for all of you here today as we preview the Bears quarterbacks. Before we get into the nitty gritty of all the details, Nick, you have one message from our friends over at Manscaped to kind of kick things off. Yeah, and so the Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If any, if an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Guys, do right by your balls and join the two million men worldwide who trust manscape by going to manscape.com and use the code fansided 20 this package also comes with the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in both your nose and ear this tool is a lock to take home gold in the biathlon and the weed whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9000 rpm motor power 360 degree rotary dual blade system this nose and ear hair trimmer uses skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. There we go. Nicholas Moriano just bringing in the great news following it up with great deals for our listeners. Not many ways you can start a show 
better than that. But without any further delay, let's go ahead and get to business and break down the quarterbacks. We're going to do things a little bit differently today as we're going to kind of put our show on its head and go in reverse order for our tiers. So to begin, let's start at tier two. You're wondering why tier two? I don't think anyone really qualified to have a tier three status here today. So in our second tier, we just have one quarterback, the only quarterback returning to Chicago from last season, a player the Bears traded for a year ago, and that, of course, is Nick Foles. Foles came into Chicago last year to push Mitchell Trubisky and compete for the starting job. And after being unable to win the battle in camp last year, he sat behind Mitch until Nagy decided to put Foles in the game after being down to Atlanta of week three last season. Foles came in led to th that team to the comeback dub, and Foles ended up starting seven games, had a 2-5 and five record, only averaged about 205 yards passing per game, sacked 18 times, ended up with a career worst in yards per attempt at a measly, and I'm going to say measly, 5.9, and he also tossed 10 touchdowns and 8 interceptions in those 9 games that he appeared in. Obviously, the Foles experiment, it didn't yield the desired results. Uh, what we saw from him under center, it was very lacking. Now, he didn't get a lot of help from the run game or his offensive line, but he wasn't really able to take that spark that he created in his come-from-behind victory and turn it into a substantive flame. So, Mason, let's go to you first. What did you like and not like about Nick's Foles' season in retrospect? So, there was a little glimmer Right. When when you go back and you look at that Falcons game and he tells Anthony Miller, go to the L and you hear that sound by played over and over and you're like, all right, there's a quarterback here. He's you know, he's not only quarterback, but he's coach out on the field. And then it just kind of came crashing down, like all of the limitations that Nick Foles had that you saw initially coming out of Arizona when he was you know, went to the Eagles and he went to the Rams and then back to the Eagles. And uh, it's there's just this lack of the, that dual fit threat, right? And he's just so immobile. It's like his feet are in quicksand. I'm definitely going to go into a little bit later when diving into QB1. Uh, but what you really saw was a big decrease in not just what the passing offense could do, but really the running offense. Because that rushing game just lost any explosivity because defenders didn't have to worry about him. Those edge rushers just were able to collapse down on Dave Montgomery anytime. Obviously there was also some offensive line shifting going along, which wasn't necessarily obviously Nick Foles' fault, but he also wasn't able to try to, you know, take a look advantage either of any of those fronts. And it just was a failed experiment. It really was. And you couldn't get him out of there fast enough. No, but he's still here. Uh, we're still talking about him uh, in July of 2021. That's really a, a contract situation. Uh, the Bears can't get out of him. It's going to cost more to get rid of him than keep him on the team, unless someone trades for Nick Foles. But as of right now, he's a Bear. Uh, so we'll continue our conversation. And I'll go over to Nick. What did you like or not like about Nick Foles' game last season? What I liked initially, what you saw in the Falcons game and that Tampa Bay game, was I think his ability to process what the defense was giving him. And that's why you're able to go to the L. So he's telling players to do things. It was a David Montgomery pass. Well, I think it was second or third down, second long. But that's Nick Foles improvising, using his knowledge to essentially make a better play for the Bears offense. But once, like Mason was saying, like those kind of attributes went away, then you saw the ineptitude of Nick Foles and what he wasn't capable of doing anymore. He was in 2017, obviously, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, one of the better passers in that medium medium to intermediate passing um depth but with the bears it, that attribute was far from his 2017 version so 
you have an immobile quarterback that doesn't have an offensive line to protect him. And when the, how the Bears were using him, they, they like to use him. And this comes from Warren Sharp's uh, football analysis, 2021 football preview, which is a great in-depth analysis of what the Bears did. They like to use him in three-step drops in 11 personnel. The only thing, Nick Foles was awful, just completely awful in doing so. A 33% success rate, 5.3 yards per attempt, and he was sacked on 13% of his dropbacks. So what the Bears were wanting to do with Foles, he couldn't execute. And then when his intermediate to medium passing was gone, then you just have, like Mason was saying, a statuesque quarterback behind a bad offensive line with no running game. So you're just asking for those three and outs to happen, this offense to not generate much of anything. And that's what ultimately led to, you know, Nick Foles now being the first person we're talking about, but the last person that's ever going to hopefully ever see the field for the Bears. Nick, I couldn't have said it better myself. I don't have too much additional to mention about Nick Foles that you guys haven't hit on. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, being a statue in the pocket, plays just had to die quickly to it, you know, just due to that fact, because the offensive line was letting up pressure, and he didn't have the mobility in the pocket to extend those plays and find those second-chance opportunities. And once that happened, his accuracy got very uh, inconsistent. But if you're looking at any of the pros, uh, I like some of his timing on his throws, although that didn't really – carry over from week to week, but it was better than, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, who's no longer here. Uh, so I don't like to kind of keep harping on a guy that's not here, um, but it, it was at least an improvement for Mitch, but there are quarterbacks on this roster now that can do it better than Nick Foles. So again, I'm not going to kind of get too deep into our Nick Foles analysis. Uh, we're not expecting him to see the field this year. And on top of that as well, I think everyone's here for the next two quarterbacks that we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But just one more question uh, about Nick Foles, because he's still here. So I'm curious, with him being here and having to kind of take a roster spot, what kind of value does Foles provide this team in 2021? Uh, Again, he's behind two other quarterbacks on this roster that we'll be discussing here in just a few moments. What kind of value does he bring uh, this team, the quarterback room? Mason, how about you? I mean, more or less, he's kind of Tyler Bray dipped in gold shoes. Like, it's just he's just really expensive. I mean, he's going to be the quarterback in the room, right? In theory, there's the bridge that might be nice where it's kind of like when you have a teacher that's trying to tell you something and you don't want to listen. So you listen to that teaching assistant who's a little cooler because they sit in their chair backwards and they're more like you. Um, it's kind of like that. And that, that's really the biggest thing. I mean, he obviously has had – good amount of experience in this kind of an offense coming from Philly and then the little bit of time he spent, you know, where he has but it's just a really, really expensive coach. Yeah, you're right. I, I call him Plotus, players, coaches. I think it goes back to like the bulls of like the early 2010s, late 2000s, like with Brian Scalabrini. He never saw the court, but you knew that he was there to be that extra mind in the locker room. And I know there's value there, Nick, but and I don't think I can, and I don't think you could either, correct me if I'm wrong, find a way to justify the money they're paying him to fulfill that role. But at least when it comes to Justin Fields, who's maybe picking that mind, could it end up paying dividends in the end? I think it can. I mean, this is a guy that did win a Super Bowl, right? And being 10 years in the NFL, he has seen what defenses can throw at young quarterbacks and what maybe Justin Fields can look to expect. And look, I think Nick Foles knew where he wanted to go with passes. He just wasn't capable of executing. Now that you have two quarterbacks that we're going to talk about that can do that, you could still provide that that analysis and that 
I guess that experience to these guys more so to Justin Fields that I think maybe down the road can go a long way. But like Mason said, it is an expensive coach to have. And the Bears, looking back to last year, probably were not expecting for this to happen this soon. But, hey, they're in this situation now. And now we are, I think, better for it because of one of the players we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Just a, a little bit. So I'm going to call that a wrap on the Foles discussion. I know pre-show in the green room, we said let's cap it at 10. I think we're pretty close. Uh, so I'm proud of ourselves there for not getting into the minutia of Nick Foles. So I want to move from Tier 2 into Tier 1. And as you know, this show is a little different already. So let's actually enter Tier 1B, which I'm going to be calling The Bridge. And here we'll be discussing a player that will be in his first year in Chicago, but brings a ton of experience to this offense with 142 career starts and 74 victories under his belt. He's a three-time Pro Bowler that at one point led his team to the playoffs five straight years, and that is Andy Dalton. Dalton comes to Chicago after playing for Dallas last season after his nine-year stint in Cincinnati. He took a role to back up Des Prescott, who ended up having to start nine games last season, where he ended up with a 4-5 and five record for the Cowboys. And one reason why the Bears brought Dalton in was his familiarity with offensive coordinator Bill Lazor as they worked with one another for two, uh, more than two years in Cincinnati. In fact, Lazor, when he became the offensive coordinator for the Bengals in the first month of the 2017 season, from that point on, there was an 18-game stretch where Dalton threw for over 4,000 yards and 36 touchdowns. So my first question for you guys is really on this connection with Laser. How much do you think that is helping Dalton get caught up to speed quick? And I know Andy, he's ran so many schemes throughout his career. I think it's been like nine offenses. Uh, it's a lot like quarterbacks for the Bears, Rex Grossman, Kyle Orton, Jay Cutler, learning all these different offenses pretty much year in and year out. So with that kind of knowledge and mindset, in addition to having his former offensive coordinator back at the helm, even though Matt Nagy has his fingerprints all over this offense, it has to be a big benefit here for Andy Dalton in Chicago. Right, Mason? I mean, it has to be. It's basically like having, you know, someone there to be the middle person to make that translation easier, right? Just to get it into a language that Andy Dalton is more comfortable with and then to get Andy up to speed a lot quicker. One of the things that I've hated so much about this preseason so far is the comparison of this quarterback situation to the Kansas City situation. Because in that situation, Alex Smith was there from 2013 and 2017 and was voted to the Pro Bowl in 13 and 17, right? Through 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, over 4,000 yards, 104 passer rating. It, that's nowhere near where we're at, right? He had a lot of time in, in that situation. And that was one of the biggest reasons why Mahomes was just stuck on the bench. There was no reason to switch it out. Versus with Andy Dalton, he has as much knowledge of this system, more or less, as Justin Fields does. Arguably, Justin Fields might even have more if you go back and look at really the connections that he has with Day and the and the offense through college. And so Bill Lazor is imperative for Andy Dalton to be able to actually make that leap and to be able to hold off Justin Fields because otherwise he's behind the eight ball. Yeah, just a little bit. Nick, how about you? What's your thoughts entering training camp just regarding Bill Lazor, Andy Dalton, uh, their previous experience and how it could impact this year for Chicago? Well, I think it puts that's why Andy Dalton's going to be ultimately the week one starter because he does have that familiarity with Laser and with what Nagy's already said, who's going to be the starter. I think it's because of that connection there. And you got to think this is already now two years in a row, he's in a new system. And I think having somebody that he's had that familiarity with 
running schemes that he likes to run, it gives, I think, Nagy some comfortability. I think it's almost similar to what you know Nick Foles was supposed to provide for the Bears, and that's what could be a little scary in itself because if you're going off the same basis that what you did last season, you could get a very similar result. But at least this time around, you do have Justin Fields that you can go to, who I think is pro-ready as any top-five quarterback that was just drafted. So it definitely helps. And I think where an area where Nick Foles struggled in last season, those intermediate passes I was talking about, Andy Dalton was actually pretty good at that area with the Dallas Cowboys last season. Even though it was a limited amount of games, he was um, so that 10 to 19-yard range. He was 40 of 59, a 67.8 completion percentage, and threw seven touchdowns to two interceptions compared to Foles, who threw four touchdowns and seven interceptions. So you see an upgrade in that area, and that was an area that the Bears really struggled with last season, just passing in general, but really anything that went further past the line of scrimmage in that 10 to 20-plus range. So that's where the familiarity with Bill Lazor can help, but just what the offense really needs at this point. Really well said, Nick. I'm just curious on what are some of the strengths that Dalton brings to the table. Nick, you hit on intermediate passing, and I have some stats here too that kind of stuck out to me. He had the fifth best pass rating on throws that were 10 to 19 yards. Uh, again, and on top of that as well, that was 124.8, by the way. He also had the highest adjusted percentage for completions in the NFL on these throws with a 74.6%. Lots of drops happening in Dallas last year. And you can compare that with Mitch, who was 33rd in this category with a complete adjusted completion percentage of 59%. And you talked about the 7-2 to two touchdown to interception ratio for Dalton on these throws, which, again, if you're throwing, if you're able to line up at the 17-yard line and find your way into the end zone, I mean, that's awesome. We have not seen that in Chicago for some time. Uh, Mitch, he had one touchdown to three interceptions here, uh, just for comparison's sake. But, again, getting to Dalton and looking at some of the strengths that he brings to the table, again, we've seen some subpar play from Trubisky. And I think having a veteran like Dalton, surely there are going to be things that he can do better to kind of help this offense succeed. Mason, what are some of those strengths that you're looking forward to seeing, you know, in as limited as time that you would actually want to watch Andy Dalton on the field? There's a couple of things that he does really well. There's just a consistency there, right, going from reads, one, two, three, He's going to usually make the right play. You know, they're not the most robust of plays. He's not going to go crazy downfield. But if you remember with those Bengals uh, teams he had, I mean, he had A.J. Green, and they were both very productive during that time with the Bengals. Um, He still, they were, they made the playoffs consistently. They didn't win a lot in the playoffs, but they made it. (laughs) Uh, And you add on to that comparing, we don't want to compare too much to people who will not hopefully uh, you know, be too relevant, but compare that to Nick Foles. I mean, he, Andy Allen has rushed for over 1300 yards on 22 touchdowns and 422 attempts. So he isn't going to be stuck in the mud. He can move around and he can elongate the play a little bit. He came in with, uh, with the Cowboys and he did pretty solid. I mean, he's completed about 65% of his passes, 87.3 passer rating. That's not too bad. You know, considering that was his first year with the Cowboys and considering, you know, he got called in all of a sudden, he wasn't expecting to start. I mean, he just probably thought, I'm going to sit behind Dak Prescott all year. So he clearly has the ability to mentally be able to do this. He has the physical capability to make pretty much all the throws you need him to make. He just isn't explosive. He's not going to do the crazy stuff that you see the top, top-level quarterbacks like a Deshaun Watson, a Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, a Josh Allen. Like He's not going to do that stuff, but he's going to be pretty stable. 
Yeah, stable. That's a great word, I think, if you want to try to find one to define what Andy Dalton brings this quarterback room. Stability. I think that's a really well said there, Mason. You know, Andy Dalton, whenever you look at his career, you notice like over the past couple seasons, he's running the RPO pretty well. He knows how to make those reads, make those snap decisions. I think that's a big plus. Matt Nagy loves to use that. And he kind of hit on that athleticism. In my notes, I said he's more mobile than Foles, but he's not a Mitch. Uh, so he's somewhere in the middle, someone who can buy some time on some plays that broke down, and he can find those second-chance opportunities better than Mitch. So really, he's best-case scenario uh, when you're kind of comparing our quarterback situation from a year ago. And then where I think he's light years ahead of what we've had over the past couple of years, it's just that ability to read a defense pre-snap and then make those changes to the, light, the line of scrimmage, get his offense in, you know, into the right call, and then post-snap, he doesn't get totally confused now is he the best at it no but he's been around Nick you said it. he's seen pretty much anything a defense can throw at him so he's not going to get you know like deer in the headlights and just make a boneheaded mistake uh, at least all too often there are some consistency issues but he's not going to do it as often as we've seen here in the past what about you Nick what gets you I'm using the word excited about Andy Dalton although I know the next quarterback excitement's real no, absolutely. I think the the thing is that f- from what Bears fans have been wanting from the quarterback position is that stability word that you guys are using, right? Just someone that's competent at the position. And you know what? For what Andy Dalton is and what he's done in, through his career, he's probably their best version to provide just that, that very stable, not going to do too much, not going to do uh, underexpected in terms of not knowing what a defense is going to bring at you. So that's what I think should again we're, we're using the word excite um lightly here but he can run the offense and you have we go back to bill laser that can definitely help him to run this offense efficiently enough for i guess the bears to be comfortable with him so that's going to be i guess the excitement that annie dalton brings and i think what bill laser was doing and so this is going to be where i i'm interested in because now matt Nagy he did take over play call or he said he was going into 2021 but when bill laser took over he used far more play action in the final five games um again going back to warren sharp's football preview 53 percent of the time on early downs in the first three quarters the bears were using play action that was the second highest in the nfl and Nagy only used play action 43 percent of the time then you also go to pre-stat motion what laser liked to use 42 percent usage for for laser Nagy was only 35% usage. So I think if Matt Nagy can incorporate a little bit of what Bill Lazor was doing in those final five games, that helps out Andy Dalton, and that ultimately helps out the Bears' offense. But I think we're all hoping at some point one of those dots doesn't connect so the other guy can take over. And I think that's – yes, there's excitement, but I think there's just a lot of – there's a lot more when it comes to Justin Fields. There is. We'll get there soon. Uh, Don't you worry, Nick. Uh, Just a little bit more Andy Dalton talk, and then we can get to the promised land that is Justin Fields. It's a little bit like how we're all expecting the season to go. Like We're going to bear through it the best we can, and then the light at the end of the tunnel, it's going to be apparent. Uh, Something else about Andy Dalton that I just like is his ability to use his eyes a little bit. Uh, Again, that's something that Nick Foles brought to the table. Uh, I just want to make sure I mention here again, too, just kind of bait defenders away from the receivers and where he's actually anticipating that ball going. Uh, something that that's something that Mitch I know really struggled with, and then I just want to make sure we know that how under duress he was in Dallas last year. And I think we all know the Bears' offensive line has its own fair share of issues. 
but we all talked about it to kick off Countdown to Camp. We do expect it to be better. And last year in games where Dalton was sacked two times or less, he actually threw 12 touchdowns to just three interceptions. That's a four to one touchdown to interception ratio. And a lot of those pressures came from the blind side. 33% of those came due to the left tackle, which was the third highest rate of any quarterback having pressure coming right off of his blind side. So something else that's not making his life any easier whatsoever. And Mason, you talked about them comparing our current quarterback situation to Mahomes and Alex Smith and how that frustrates you. But this also frustrates me when I hear people talk about Andy Dalton and comparing him to like a, a Mike Glennon. Again, even though Andy Dalton is not a perfect quarterback, he has his own fair share of you know weaknesses, he isn't going to give you the, at the low, low level of play that we saw from a Mike Glennon. But we talked about some positives. Mason, what are some, we'll call them negatives, of what Andy Dalton will provide this offense? That's kind of like what I talked about before where – there just isn't that next gear with him, whether it's you're talking about rushing literally or you're talking about the passing, right? He's going to make plays that he should make. He's not going to necessarily make plays that it will, you know, blow you away. There's not going to be the able to scramble away, step up, off to the side, off time throw, and then maybe a touch a little pass in the corner of the end zone. You know, if that first, second, third read breaks down, Ball's probably going to get thrown out of bounds, you know, live to fight another day kind of situation. Which, again, isn't a bad thing to have. You know, if let's say we went back in time and, you know, luckily this isn't the world we live in, but the Bears didn't get QB1, uh, that we, we, you know, you would be okay with with Andy Dalton. You you wouldn't be the most excited about it, but he would make, he would get you to where you need to be with the talent around him. And that's the thing. He's the quarterback that if things are good around him, things will continue to be good. If things break down, he doesn't necessarily have that eliteness to make up for that. Right. He doesn't elevate the surrounding cast. He needs the surrounding cast in order to succeed. What about you, Nick? What are some of those limitations that we should just kind of be aware of entering this year? I think it's honestly just the low ceiling that's with Andy Dalton and what this offense is capable of doing um, and I look at those second chance opportunities when it first the you know the play breaks down, and then Andy Dalton has to do something on his own. Is he really capable of, of making that next play, making that throw on the run, make just running for yards? It's not going to be as limited as Nick Foles is when it comes to getting outside the pocket, but and it won't be. I guess I'll use the word explosive as a Mitch Trubisky could be in running, in running in, in that aspect. But with Andy Dalton, it's just somewhere in the middle, and that's what. Again, like going back to what I was saying earlier, that's what the Bears were kind of looking for. Probably mediocre quarterback play in just 2019. If they would have had maybe that or even just 2020 last season, I wonder where this team would have been in terms of, you know, the finish at the end, end of the season. But I think with Andy Dalton, look, he's always had a career passer rating of around 62%. So, look, he makes he can make those completions. He's not going to... Like what a lot of what Mason is saying, he's not going to make those I, those explosive plays too. I think that's also not something that Andy Dalton has done consistently. I know the 10, 10 to nineteen yard range, he he's, he did pretty good with Dallas last season, but I'm not expecting Andy Dalton to come in here and just change the Bears' offense of being a deep threat, which the Bears desperately desperately need because over the last two seasons they have been one of the worst teams in the NFL in generating those explosive plays. Andy Dalton will be better than Mitchell Trubisky, 
but that's not saying much. <laughs> I was going to say, he probably has the best deep ball uh, compared to like our quarterback situation from last year uh, in terms of like, hey, that's an upgrade. But uh, and when you look at this team, he doesn't have the best deep ball. That's yet to be discussed, which should be very exciting for everyone there listening. But he's fine there. He just hasn't done it a ton. I think he'd rank 31st out of 38 qualified quarterbacks, only about 10% of his throws went for 20 or more yards down the field in the air. So, and again, he can throw it. He had AJ green. He knows what to do. It's just that he hasn't been asked to do it and he's not comfortable doing it too consistently. But I do think the intermediate passing and his ability to really carve defenses there does outweigh his inability to have that, you know, deadly deep ball. Just that bonus that we're getting from a true intermediate passing game that we have not had in three years in Chicago is going to be something that should make this offense watchable and not one that makes you want to rip your hair out uh, every single time that they take the field. So looking at Dalton's 2021, what would make his season a success in your eyes? Does he need to play to such a high level that the Bears don't even need to think about starting fields? Or can he still have a successful year by winning some games and still giving the Bears more than they had last season at the position? So it's all about setting a bar and proper expectations. Nick, how about you? Where, Where and how should we set that bar? That's a really good question. Well, I think for what this Bears offense could potentially be with Justin Fields, I think what Andy Dalton needs to do is through the first quarter of this season, show what this offense is capable of in terms of like these explosive plays I was talking about. So him actually connecting on some of those passes. But I think for what would be deemed as a success is that Andy Dalton plays enough to where the Bears are still afloat in terms of wins and losses. But he's not playing well enough to where you can't keep the other guy off the field. So at least record-wise, the Bears are fine. And then you just have it set up to where the other guy can come in and just take over. So I, I think for Andy Dalton, it's a kind of a crappy situation to be in. You come with a new team. And at least the Bears, you know, told Andy Dalton, like, hey, we're drafting Justin Fields. Unlike, you know, Green Bay situation where they didn't um, tell him with Jordan Love. But it, it is a situation where you don't want to see him fail. That's not that's not what I'm saying. You just you still want to see him play as, as well enough to where Justin Fields doesn't see the field. And that just maybe that's me personally, but I think that would be a success. Maybe just Bears fans eyes, not no, not necessarily Andy Dalton, but what the organization and what most fans want to see. Mason, you're going to back that up. I mean, like Nick has said, Andy's in a really bad position. Um a success by Andy Dalton standards would be to play well enough that he can say, well, they had a you know rookie quarterback that was going to take over eventually, but look at the numbers I put up, right? We were, let's just insert, you know, we were five and three and they just decided, you know, they wanted to make a change, but look at that. And they, he's playing for his next contract. He's playing for the next team, right? That's a success for Andy Dalton for the bears. I mean, yeah, there's the pie in the sky. He turns into somehow Alex Smith 2.0, and all of a sudden you're like, well, are you really going to sit him now that he hasn't thrown an interception in seven games? But that's just not likely. In all reality, it's like Nick said, just keep the ship upright, right? Just be a good mentor, and hopefully you're not at a, a losing record. You want to be around that 500, if not, you know, if not a winning record when, in theory, that baton is handed off. Yeah, and... 
The good thing about Andy Dalton, the person, is you know when that moment comes, he's going to hand that baton gracefully. He's not going to do it with any remorse or any resentment. He's going to be very proud to hand it over uh, to Justin Fields. But it's interesting to talk about a player position. What other player in this team could we say, you know, he can have a successful year by not playing out of his mind and just being somewhere average, just well enough for us to win, but not win too much. You can't. That's what makes quarterbacks so unique. Uh, and really this Bears quarterback situation, uh, a fun one to talk about. And when for me, when it comes to Andy Dalton, like you, again, I don't know if I can say it in any other terms. You want him to do well, but also, I don't know, we live in an instant gratification world. Mason, you're wearing the Justin Fields jersey. We're ready for that tenure to begin whenever he's ready. And we'll talk about that uh, in here in just a few seconds, but I do want to give a Dalton factoid uh, to kind of wrap things up. I mentioned he had 74 wins in his career since entering the league in 2011. That is one more than all Bears quarterbacks in the same time span combined. Just shaking your heads, guys. That's like, that's the thing we talked about earlier. Like if, if you had just rolled with Andy Dolan, you'd still be like, he's the best quarterback the Bears have had in a long time. That's the sad part. And that's the thing that sucks for Andy. Like he thought he was coming in and being like, "All right, I can do this. I can, I can be a solid quarterback for this." Oh, okay, never mind. Here comes another guy. <laughs> Pretty much is how it worked out. Any final thoughts on Andy Dalton, Nick, before we move forward? Like I said, I hope, I hope he does well. I know he got a lot of slack, and like even when I found out that the Bears, you know, had acquired, I was like, "Oh, he was supposed to be Russell Wilson. You got Andy Dalton." So right from the get go, I think just the perception of Andy Dalton has been a bad one. But I think. As time has gone on, I, I think hopefully Bears fans have not, I don't know if it's embraced him a little bit, but, you know, he's here. He's the bridge. We all know that. And, you know, kind of appreciate, I guess, a little bit what he's going to do because we were talking earlier. He's like, he's going to be the, the test dummy, right? For the first couple of games, potentially. And then, like, like Mason was saying, hand off that baton and see what happens next. That's right. Hammer out the kinks of that offensive line, get that gel in front of him, and then. Hey, Justin, we have a line to protect you. The time is now. So I'm very much in alignment with you there, Nick. But it's time to move on to our final player. So let's transition into the next portion of Tier 1. So that means we're moving from Tier 1B into Tier 1A, which I'm going to be dubbing the destination. So for our final player to preview on the Bears roster, again, 89 to this point. This is number 90. It's time to look at a player that the team traded up for in the first round. That's the 11th overall pick out of the Ohio State University, and that is the future of the franchise, Justin Fields. Fields comes to Chicago after cementing a legacy for the Buckeyes where he threw for over 5,300 yards at 63 touchdowns and only nine interceptions, earning himself back-to-back Big Ten Player of the Year awards, finished 20-2 as a starter with his only two losses coming into college football playoffs, including one legendary six-touchdown performance that he had against Trevor Lawrence and Clemson with broken ribs. Now, it's been a couple of months since the Bears drafted Fields, yet with each passing day, it's still evident that Bears fans are becoming more and more excited about the quarterback and what he can mean for this franchise. So guys, if you had to choose, what about Justin Fields gets you the most jazzed? Nick? Oh, man, there's so many attributes to choose from there, Will. But I think what I was talking about earlier in terms of explosive plays and that deep downfield passing, Justin Fields, he literally solves the Bears' problem with that area of what he did at Ohio State and what he can – 
easily do here at the NFL level in terms of his accuracy, ball placement, decision-making, his deep ball accuracy, and just his deep ball in general is what I think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace would probably talk about in the draft room saying, we need to get this guy. This is the exact opposite of a Mitchell Trubisky in terms of what he wasn't capable of doing, but what Justin Fields can finally unlock in this Bears offense. So that's the one thing that I look at, like these explosive plays where it's not going to be 12 yard, you know, 12 play, maybe 52 yard drives end with a field goal. It could be literally a play of 70 plus yards because of Justin Fields accuracy to Darnell Mooney down the left sideline. And you can cap it off at that. So, that's just one area. There's so many stats that I have here, but I'll leave it. I'll send it over to you guys to see what you like about Justin Fields. I mean, he wears an awesome visor already. Looks great in a Bears uniform. If there's so many things to like about him, but I'll go with the deep field, just deep ball accuracy and just what that can do for this Bears offense. Yeah, you're right, Nick. He has the arm strength. He has the velocity, the power, and the touch, the ball placement. It's the best deep ball on this team by far, the best deep ball we've had since Cutler, and with the potential to be way better than what that was for this team as well. Mason, in my notes, I say that Justin Fields checks off every box that you can imagine, and I'm sure you feel the same way, but if you had to choose the boxes that are checked off that get you the most excited about Fields' potential in Chicago, what would those be? How damn good he looks at a Bears uniform advisor. I mean, that's number one. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> but like in all, in all reality, it's it's he's just the perfect combination of so many different things, but it's almost not even because of what he can do, but what people said he can't do that already we've kind of seen as people have done and digged into the research, how it's just not true, right? Like you had people like, you know, Chris Sims say like, he's the first guy throws it to the first one that's open and he doesn't know what he's going to do on reads two and three. But then when you actually look at it, like uh, Benjamin Solak at Benjamin Solak on Twitter, right? I mean, Nick knows what I'm talking about. I'm sure a bunch of you two do too. Looked at his ability to actually do just that, right? He fields made more throws beyond the first read in concept than any other college quarterback with 19% of his passes going to the second, third, and fourth read. He also saw that in those throws, he was more accurate than other QBs with an 88% catchable percentage and 69% completion rating. That's double what Mac Jones's was, and everyone was raving on how, how accurate Mac Jones is and how great he is on that. It's it's ridiculous. He was able to do this while playing one of the hardest slate of defenses. Four of the last five games he played were against a top 15 defense in Indiana, Northwestern, Clemson, Alabama. And he did that while he was hurt. Like, what else do you want from the guy? Like, it's insane. If every other quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson had these skyrocketed up draft boards. And Justin Fields did nothing besides win and play well. And he somehow fell. It's it's absolutely insane. I don't get it. Hey, we don't have to get it. We can just, you know, relish in our opportunity that we have right now and just embrace what has been kind of who fell to our laps, although we were aggressive to go up and get him. It takes two to tango there. But Justin Fields, guys, I mean, it's, I'm still pinching myself as Mason's talking, making sure that this isn't a dream. And we actually do have this guy 
here in Chicago. And when you just look, what I love about him, A, he's smart as a whip, right? I mean, he got that perfect score in the AIQ test, one of like four of like 1,500 people ever to do that. So that's just crazy enough to say, uh, you know, say that as well. And then I just love how much he loves the game, right? He started that petition last year to get Big Ten football back. So he, that's leadership, like not just for his team. He put the whole conference, you know, on his back and led them to a season. That's awesome. That's tremendous. And that heart and that passion for the game of football, to me, speaks volumes of the player that Justin Fields is. And we all know how great of a person off the field he is. I love that calm demeanor that he kind of carries himself with. He's that silent assassin. Doesn't he be too talky, although he's really good at trash talk uh, when he needs to be. Um, but he's just confident, and he plays with that edge, that attitude. And I just keep rambling through my notes here as I look through it. That, you know, the ability to read those defenses, the timing throws, stepping up in the game's biggest moments, the athletic ability. He has blazing speed, but he powers, couples that with a powerful lower body that can run through guys. Like, I don't know what box he doesn't check that let him fall to number 11, but by God, am I thankful that the Bears were able to kind of snag him up. Now, one mantra that we've kind of heard from the Bears all offseason is he's going to have to prove to his teammates, himself, and his coaching staff that he's ready. Matt Nagy keeps saying that we're all going to know when Justin is ready. So, Nick, my question for you, and I know it's a loaded one, how does he make it obvious that he's ready? What are some of those signs that if you were in Hallis Hall, and, hey, we may get some access to watch some practices, what would be some signs for you to say, hey, this guy's ready to take that leap. I think the biggest thing that Justin Fields needs to adjust to from the college game to the NFL is getting that play right, right? He didn't have to do that in terms of the verbiage in the NFL. So I think if Justin Fields can demonstrate that, he's confident with how he has to articulate the play to his teammates and then execute it by throwing that 60-yard touchdown down the left sideline, Matt Nagy there's no way that he can't go through his mind saying how like how can i keep this guy off the field if he's showing me that he knows the plays he can execute them and if the opposite is happening for andy dalton who's also his first year in this offense that's where i think matt Nagy and the bears team will know because i think the team will also not that they're going to have a, a say in like when justin field is going to start but there's going to be talks going within training camp where you're seeing Justin Fields execute these plays to how Matt Nagy wants them to be executed. So that's one telltale sign of how Justin Fields – look, I, I've said it before. I don't think he can win the starting job in training camp, but where Matt Nagy can at least feel confident that when it's time to transition over, that will be why. He can articulate those plays. He can execute them and then just sees – just thinks of the potential. But – and it's especially that will happen if Andy Dalton is not doing very well in training camp. But like I said, I think regardless of what happens in training camp preseason, it will be Andy Dalton's job. And Matt Nagy's made that evident. But if you see that, you just can't forget about it. It's going to be in there knowing what Justin Fields was doing throughout that time while maybe the other quarterback, Andy Dalton, wasn't. Yeah. And, you know, we're excited to get to training camp here uh, in just about a week, week and a half. And uh, I know, Mason, you're excited to see Justin Fields in a Bears uniform, the visor. But in terms of what he provides on the field, what would you be most excited to kind of watch for just being all of when you're down there at camp? That leadership, I think, is going to be really important, right? So when he 
does if he gets any opportunities in training camp to run with the ones, for example, like how does he talk to an Allen Robinson? How does he talk to a Jimmy Graham? Um, I know there were you know, reports that when he was in rookie minicamp, he was directing guys, you know, saying, hey, look, you're supposed to be here. No, you're supposed to be there. Is that going to continue? Right. Is he going to do that consistently with the twos that he's going to be playing with? Does he consistently beat the twos? Right. Is he consistently able to you know, elevate everyone around him? And while you're sitting there in training camp and, you know, hopefully a lot, some of us can snag at least one day being able to watch from the from the stands, but be able to say, like, I mean, like, he's just running these guys. Why the heck is he against? It's like looks like he's playing against JV out there. That's kind of what you want to see. Right. And then that forces, in theory, Negi to maybe elevate him a little quicker. And then that transitions also into the preseason. That again, he's going to be playing against a lot of twos. Like I know I'm going to the Bills game and hope against Mitch. So we'll see how that goes. But that it just looks like it's like it's a man amongst boys. Like he is just putting up consistent numbers that he's able to get the plays in and out cleanly. And there's a phrase, right? Like you cannot trick the eyes of you know 53 grown men. That at the end of the day, if that final 53 is looking and saying, "This is the guy," like what do you think? This is the guy. Like we we can't be messing around with this then you're kind of forcing the coach's hand. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you got me excited just how you phrased all of that there, Mason. Uh, how about you, Nick? I'm curious, what kind of uh, challenges would you expect Fields to kind of face this season? What would be some of those bigger challenges that maybe stand out to you over some of the rest? I'll say this. In terms of what I think Justin Fields, look, he's not a perfect prospect, but damn, he is close. What he still needs to work on is – just handling pressure and look every quarterback um it's how they handle pressure that can really distinguish who are the good ones the bad ones and ultimately the great ones and you know fields at ohio state took a sack or threw an interception on 22.3 percent of his dropbacks versus pressure last season so that's something that you know being a rookie quarterback and whenever he does get his chance to become the starter defenses are going to pressure him and see what he's all about and how he can handle it so he needs to continue to work on that and how he responds to pressure, just finding those check downs when he needs to. But with more NFL experience and learning how to audible out of plays that a defense is set up to, you know, ultimately take away. Once he figures out how to do that, then you're going to be better when the pressure comes in. But that's one of the areas where, yeah, it's he's a rookie. He's going to mess up at times. So that's the one area, though, that I want to see him, you know, game by game basis or even drive-by-drive basis, see how he can handle that because you know defenses are going to try to do something because he's a proficient passer from the pocket. He can destroy you with his legs, so you have to find a way to you know take one of those things away, and usually defenses do that with pressure, and that's the one area where you know Justin Fields has, I don't want to say struggled with, but he's shown that, hey, he's not this, um, this perfect prospect, so that's the one area I want to see him get better at. Yeah, I think for me, it is defenses and just the general speed of the game. Some of those exotic looks, you know, showing something pre-snap and then checking into something post-snap. And then with how Nagy's offense is kind of built on some of these route combinations and some of the options built in the routes, like, hey, if he knows I got A-Rob, you know, here in the slot, he's either going to run, you know, a hitch, a streak, or a post. Just an example, based off of what the safety in the corner kind of plays up on him. And pre-snap, he's like, oh, cool, this is going to be a quick hitch, we're good. And then he ends up, you know, post-snap, they change the coverage, safety rolls the other side of the field. A-Rob sees that. He's this heavy vet. Runs straight down the seam. 
If Foles doesn't see that and throws that hitch that he thought pre-snap, that's an easy interception for a linebacker. So some of those plays that it's not just a pre-snap read, but also during the snap, whatever a defense shows him and needing to know how his receiver is going to adjust their routes based off of that. I think that's going to be a challenge, not one that he can't overcome, but for any rookie, I think that's just a big challenge and hurdle that they'll need to kind of understand and learn. And the only way really to do that are through games. So I'm excited for the Bears to maybe leverage some preseason action here for Justin Fields to get him some of those additional looks uh, earlier rather than later. But just like we did with Andy Dalton, guys, I want to wrap up our Justin Fields conversation with just a general question of what does a successful rookie season look like for Mr. Fields? And Mason, I'm going to go to you first. I really don't think you can look at it from stats, right? Because first of all, you don't know when he's going to officially play. So it'd be impossible to say that you can't put it into he's rookie of the year. Cause if he only plays half the year, it's going to be difficult to beat out someone like a Trevor Lawrence, who's guaranteed to start all year, things like that. So it really is about the progressions. Like you guys talked about, it's can he take ownership of the offense? Can he be the one that does make that pre snap check and read and be able to adjust it? Can he get in and out of the huddle efficiently and not get delay of game penalties, right? Those stupid things that back you up, excessive yards that you don't need to be backed up into. It's just that little bits of growth every single week. And you can see that in the play calls. The play calls get a little more exotic, right? That you don't make a mistake like how Mitch did with that final play that really got him yanked out of that Atlanta game where it was an exotic front, but really they just were going into a Tampa 2 Mitch got confused. They were running a mesh and he threw it right to a nickel. You not making those kinds of mistakes. So as long as you see that progressive growth in that manner, I, you can really probably call it a successful season because he has all of the tools that he needs, but at the same time, he cannot put too much on his plate. That was something that you saw a little bit too much in college. The few games that he really didn't maybe do great. Um, if you haven't checked it out, QB school does an amazing breakdown of like seven different uh, fields games Go check that out. But one that stood out was, for example, the Indiana game. It just was situations where he just tried to win it on every single pass because some of his teammates weren't necessarily doing what they needed to do. And we, and especially with the chip that he's going to have, like the fact that he fell in the draft, the fact that he consistently beat Trevor Lawrence in high school and college, and he still gets trapped ahead of him. The fact that Zach Wilson is drafted. I mean, like he's going to be playing with the chip to want to prove it all. You can't prove it all in your rookie year right? You have a full career. That's where you prove it. Yeah. You know, be a superhero when you can, when that opportunity presents itself, but don't try to force it. Uh, Really, really well done, Mason. And I agree with you. Stats here make no sense. I'm glad you didn't go that route. Nick, I know that means you need to scratch out all your notes. Kidding. But with (laughs) Justin Fields, what kind of year does he need to have or what does he need to show you to show, hey, you know what? 2021 was a success. I think the biggest thing for me is that we we need to be aware that Justin Fields is going to make mistakes. He is a rookie quarterback. But the big thing that will be successful in my eyes, and I think for the Bears in general, is that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And that he's and he is somebody that's already said that in the press conferences just with him being with the Bears. So if we see that he's you know what he's gonna throw interceptions, he might fumble, it's going to happen that the next time there's a similar situation that Justin Fields maybe goes to that next read, just holds the ball a little bit tighter when he's running through, you know, a scrum or whatever it may be. That's how you, you'll know. And obviously seeing him 
you know, hit those throws, hit those deep passes. That's going to be a success in my eyes. But as long as he's just not repeatedly making mistakes, like what we saw with Mitchell Trubisky mm-hmm. or even with Nick Foles, it's like we, we've seen him. The, there's too many flashes of, you know, inconsistency, really. As long as that doesn't happen with Justin Fields, that's a success in my eyes. Because, again, we don't know how many games he's going to play, what the stats are ultimately going to look like, or, you know, again, when he's actually going to be the starter for the Bears. But if we could see that, and if it can happen in-game too, it doesn't have to happen like where he makes a mistake one game and then he doesn't make the other. But if it happens from one series to the next, man, that's how you know that. Actually, for Bears fans, we don't know what that's like, to be completely honest, seeing a quarterback make those adjustments. But I think we'll know it when we see it and just be like in awe of like, this is what it's like to have somebody that can truly change the game at this position. So that's what I'm looking for in terms of success for Justin Fields. Love it, Nick. I really do. Yeah. For me, it's honestly, I, you guys, I don't know if we're just all in the same headspace or just thoughts on Justin Fields were pretty general right now in the same boat. But number one, I said, don't hold him to any numbers. So Mason checked that box. And then the second one I had, you know, he's going to make those mistakes, but as long as he learns from them, which we have not seen, I'm going to be a happy camper. And again, if he can just find ways to make this offense more dynamic, uh, which I think we all know he can with his athletic ability, his intangibles, his mental smarts, dynamic, and just one that's a little bit more potent. I think, I don't care if it's Andy Dalton or Dustin Fields in the field this year, but one thing I do believe our quarterbacks are going to provide us is my statement that I started two years ago that I kept saying on the podcast for a post-game show and I did it last year, that third down shouldn't be a death sentence, I don't think it will be anymore because it has been. The Bears have been atrocious on third down, like 31st in the league last year, pretty much in the same boat the year prior. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we have quarterbacks in Fields and Dalton that can actually succeed there on third down, sustained drives, and lead us to more points. So I'm excited. Justin Field, for a successful year, show growth and just show that he's growing into becoming a professional quarterback on and off the field. And from that standard, I think, you know, the sky's the limit from here. This is just a foundation that we're setting this year. And I think patience will persevere, but also he has all those tools that maybe make you not want to be so patient. So that's the curious case. Uh, That is Justin Fields, not news to anyone here. Any final thoughts on Justin before we move on? Mason? So... A couple things. One, if you haven't, go watch the Brett Coleman video that he did on Justin Fields. It is, uh, it is. To, I can't think of a better phrase. Football porn, to be quite honest. Like I've watched it three <laughs> times now. So a lot, a good amount of the info I got was from that. So Brett, thank you for doing that. If I could sit down with anybody, by the way, and just talk football, it might be Brett Coleman. I mean, he is just an incredibly smart dude. Um, but also the Hey Rookie, Welcome to the NFL. If you haven't watched that, also watch that. Found pulled some things from there, like the fact that. Justin Fields is actually a vegan now. Had no idea. Really, like, really crazy. Um, and doesn't mean anything about him, but it's just it's just crazy that you can be that athletic and that much power from not eating any delicious food. <laughs> well, I like how you phrase it, because you're not wrong. How about you, Nick? Is there anything else about Justin Fields that you would kind of uh, want to put a bow in this conversation? It has nothing to do with actual football related, but he has the cutest dog, and his name is Uno, and that, that guy is awesome. That's all I got in Just Fields because we, we've said all the stats and there's probably more that we didn't mention, but Uno is a cute dog. 
Well, I can't really disagree with you there either. Uh, so you guys are both making excellent points, really ending this conversation on the strongest possible note. So we've talked about all three quarterbacks. So now we need to know who makes the team. I feel like out of every time I said this, this is maybe the most obvious one, although I think last week felt pretty obvious too on a couple. But let's go over to Mason. I'm assuming you only have one, and that's Justin Fields. Yeah, why would you need another quarterback? Precisely my point. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, and Nick Foles, unless you find a trade partner, I know the Jets keep popping up because they kind of need a backup to, to Zach Wilson. Um, unless you can find that a trade partner, he's going to be on the team. So it's three. Yeah, three is going to be the company. Fields, Dalton, Foles, unless a trade happens, but I don't want to sit here on a podcast with no inside knowledge, right? We don't have any inside scoops. Like, oh, a trade's definitely going to happen. Don't know. So until I hear otherwise, it's going to be the three. Nick, you're in the same boat? Same boat. Nick Foles is the new Tyler Bray. So that's about, and just obviously we have two new guys that will actually be suiting up on game day. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, first of all, he stole Bray's number, and now he's just doing the same job, getting paid, geez, I, I think 10 times is actually an understatement, uh, the amount. So a yeah. lot more than Tyler Bray was making. So Nick Foles doing it right. So let's move on to our final segment of making some season predictions, having some fun along the way, which means it's time for the final over-under of Countdown to Camp. So, fellas, the first over-under, nine starts for Justin Fields. Nick, are you going to take the over or under on nine? Oh, man. Oh, we included playoffs, too, so... Um, oh, I didn't have a disclaimer, so you could. Plus, there's an extra game, right? Yep, there's an extra game. I will go... I'll go over. I'll go over, so I'll put Justin Fields at ten games that he'll be starting. So just looking at the Bears' schedule, you got the Rams, Bengals, Browns, Lions. Oh, don't worry about the week. That's coming up later. Okay, so I'll just cap it off 10 games. For just there you go. Numbers for now. Mason, how about you? You're going to take over the under of the nine. Oh, I'm going to take over. Like, it, very much over. And uh, I, I may have a bold prediction that's kind of tied to that. All right. I'm excited to see how that kind of turns out. I'm at the over as well with a 10. Uh, so just like Nick, I feel like double-digit starts are in Fields' future, which leads us to the next one. Over or under 12 touchdowns for Andy Dalton. He had 14 TDs in nine games a year ago for, for reference. So let's go to Mason first. You're going to take the over or under for 12 touchdowns for Andy Dalton. Under. I don't think he's playing long enough to hit that. Ooh. Nick, how about you? I'll go under as well, but I don't think the offense will be in much of a groove at that point to where we're going to be seeing, you know, Andy Dalton putting up those numbers in the limited amount of time he's going to be playing. Okay. I also took the under. Uh, I had a 10 uh, for Andy Dalton. He'll reach double digits, but that's about it. Next over under, 23 touchdowns for Justin Fields. By the way, the current Bears record for a rookie quarterback for passing touchdowns is a whopping nine. I think he has this one in the bag. Nick, how about you? Are going to take the over or under, though? 23 touchdowns, Justin Fields' rookie year. Man, 23 touchdowns, and this is total touchdowns, and, man, that record is definitely getting, getting broken. I'll, I'll, get, I'll cap him off at, you know, we'll go over at 24. Okay, Mason? Over at 27. I mean, he's going to – he could sleepwalk to nine. 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think he could too. Oh man, yeah, that's like a Kyle Orton record, by the way. It's Mitch had seven. Yeah, it's it's bad, Ugh. guys. Ugh. Justin Fields long overdue. I'm taking the over at 25 uh, for Justin Fields. That dual threat really helps him here, um, but still enough to take the over. Next over under 4,200 passing yards this season for quarterbacks. They had 3,665 a year ago, which if I remember correctly, that would make the first ever Bears season for 4,000 passing yards, or would it, are we looking for a single passer or 4,000? Nick, do you know? Single passer for 4,000. So, and I guess I'll start. I'll go over. I think that, you know, regardless of how many games Andy Dolan or Justin Fields plays, they can get past that 4,200 mark. Okay. How about you, Mason? Un- under, just because I think the running backs will contribute, will do a lot more this year, and then Justin Fields should be pretty well used in the rushing game as well. Okay. I'm also in the under. I took 4,050. So I do believe we'll get over the 4K mark. Hooray. Just by a little bit, though. All right, we have a few more over-unders. Next one, 275 rushing yards for quarterbacks. We had 196 last year. If you want to know the splits, 195 came from Mitch. One came from Nick Foles. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought it was worth mentioning. So what about you, Mason? You keep talking about Justin Fields and his legs, I think, throughout most of the Countdown to Camp series. So are you going to take the over or under for 275 on the ground? I'm going to take the over. I just think that it's just too – he's just too good at it. You know, you saw what he was able to do, the design runs he had in college, and then just how fast he is. I mean, if you watch the, you know, Welcome to the NFL Rookie, he had a bet going with um, Micah Parsons, who was going to run the fastest 40 between the two of them. You don't bet a linebacker that you're going to do that as a quarterback. I mean, uh, then there's the other play where he streaks down the field to make a block he probably shouldn't have made, let's be real. Like, if you haven't seen that highlight, please look it up. Uh, he's he's just too dynamic of an athlete. Yeah, uh, I agree, and that's why I took the over as well at 320, which I still think is very modest uh, in terms of projection, um, but trying to have him exceed that expectation. How about you, Nick? You can take the over or under on that. I'll go over as well. Like we were talking earlier, Andy Dolan's no Nick Foles. He can kind of, he's got some mobility as well. So I think you combine those two, you're you're getting over that mark. I'll put it at 450 just to mm-hmm. just to be devil's advocate, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Devil's advocate, adding a little additional yardage for the QBs on the ground. I like, I think Mitch had about that number one year himself. Yeah. So if, if Mitch can do it, surely between Dalton and the fields for an entire season with that extra game, we can do that there for you. Uh, let's do over under 16 interceptions, which is the exact same number that we saw a year ago. I thought that was a pretty good bar to kind of set it at. Nick, how about you over or under 16 picks? Yeah, these are two guys that are in a new system with Fields and Dalton, and obviously one's a rookie, but I'm going to go under the 16 because the quarterback play last year was just awful. So I'll go under, I'll say they get 10. Wow. If we only throw 10 interceptions and we get your, how many touchdowns did you say? 20 what? Four. I mean, that's not a bad ratio. How about this? I'll do I'll do one better. Give you Mason's touchdown number, which is like 27, and then we'll do 27. your 10 picks. And then now we're really cooking. We're talking about top eight offense uh, if that ends up being the case but mason how about you are you going to take the over or under on the interception bar of 16 on the year i want to say under just because the combination of a andy dalton doesn't throw the ball away that easily you know it's not like he's a turnover machine 
And Justin Field also wasn't known for that in college. Yes, he's going to obviously much more exotic fronts. Uh, defensive coordinators are going to try to mess with him a lot. But I just he seems to have just a lot of really good ball security. And we saw last year with whether it was Foles or Mitch, there were just some really, really gross interceptions that were head scratchers. And I'm not sure that we're going to get that kind of interception from these two individuals. All right. I'm going to be the odd ball out. I took over at 17, an average of one per game. Uh, I think if the offensive line is as shaky as it may be to begin, Andy Dalton has been prone to turnovers throughout his career, uh, so that can kind of help rack it up. And again, Justin Fields is a rookie, and even though he's a smart one, someone that's going to learn from the mistakes, he's going to maybe get thrown to the fire at some point. A mistake or two is bound to happen. So I'll take the over, and it's still a, a good number to have. Not a good number. It'll be an, an acceptable number uh, to have this season if that ends up being the case. And our final over-under of countdown to camp, seven yards per pass attempt. Would have ranked 14th in the NFL last year. Uh, the Bears averaged six yards per pass attempt a season ago. So, Nick, can we get over seven or under? I think the Bears with these two quarterbacks, Dalton and Fields, are going to – make this more of a vertical passing game. So I think we will be over the seven and I won't give you a number, but we'll be over that where, you know, most of these bears quarterbacks are throwing at the line of scrimmage or below. Cause they just weren't capable of moving the ball downfield. Yeah, but they sure were. How about you, Mason? Are we going to be able to push the ball a little bit more and get over that seven yards per attempt? I think so. Uh, we talked about that earlier. An explosive play is considered like a pass yard over 20 yards, a rush over 15. The Bears ranked 32nd pass and 29th in run with those explosive plays. And if you look at specifically Mitch, who was probably between him and Foles, the worst in that category, he only completed 18% of his deep throws, two touchdowns, four deep interceptions, not very good at all. You Simply, if you improve just in that aspect, if you just improve that 18%, you're going to get pushed off that board. And especially with Justin Fields, I mean, if you watch him play, he likes it long ball. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm taking the over as well. I put it at about seven and a half. Uh, I'll go back to the intermediate game, that 10 to 19 yards downfield. Bears didn't anyone who could do that last year. Nick Foles didn't have the protection to on those three-step drops to allow things to progress. So he was dinking and dunking pretty short. And Mitch, unfortunately, didn't have the wherewithal to make those progressions and to make some of those throws in that congested area of the field. So having two guys that can do both of those jobs a little bit better, I feel like it's an easy one for us and the receiver group should be a little bit more dynamic. Running back should be a little bit more involved in the pass game and our tight end situation, Cole Komet, he should be helping this as well. So I'm going to take the over for all of those reasons, which moves us into some true or false. So first true or false, Andy Dalton will be a true one and done. Figured I'd start with an easy one, I think. Mason? Define true one and done. Yeah, like he's in Chicago one year and he's done. Oh, because you could oh, think yeah, a game sure. quarter snap. Yeah, I was just making sure what you meant by that. Um, yeah, true. I think he's just, whether he plays exceptionally well or he goes the other way and doesn't get booted a little early, pulled a little early, booted's a little rude, pulled early. Um, he's going to be looking for an opportunity to start still. So, yeah, just the one year. All right, Nick, how about you? I'll go true as well. Um, I know Andy Dalton didn't know the situation he was getting into, but now that Fields is here, I think he knows the reality of the situation. So I'll go true. 
I'm at true as well, which, guys, since we all said true, mark down our notepad now. Next year, we're looking for a backup quarterback. So when you're looking for needs, one has already been predefined for all three of us. Uh, and then on top of that, let's move into the next true or false. I have Justin Fields will hit a higher completion percentage and touchdown percentage than the quarterbacks that went before him. And again, we can't do total stats because we don't know when he's going to start. And the other guys we're all expecting him to start pretty darn soon. But maybe Fields can be more consistent and impactful by being a little bit more accurate, having a higher completion percentage, and having touchdowns on a higher percentage of his throws. So is that going to be true or false? Let's go to Nick first. I'll go true because that's who he was in college, and that's what he already did to each one of these quarterbacks before him, and that's when, you know, Mace was talking about this chip on his shoulder. You know, you look at what Fields can bring to the game. Why wasn't he in contention to be the number one or, you know, number two overall pick? So I'm going to go true with that. Again, it won't be – the stats won't be as much as maybe a Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, but when you look down to it, yeah, he, he will have the better stats, so true. Nice. Mason? Also true. Uh, if you look at the supporting cast, it's the Jaguars and the Jets, first of all, for, you know, Wilson and for Lawrence. Gross. I, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, like, well, uh. um, and then the only one, maybe Trey Lance, you know, they have a bit of a heavier run game. So they may protect him by the time he gets in. I mean, he's also a pretty long project. So I don't know that when he'll even start, he might even sit out the whole year. Uh, so you may not have to worry about him quite as much. Uh, so just because of all those reasons, I would, there's no reason for me to doubt Justin. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm going true. Nick, you said it. That's who he was in college. It's going to transition to the pros. So very much. All in agreement here. And the final true or false, Justin Fields proves in his playing time during his rookie season that he's the real deal, that he can be a franchise guy, and the Bears made the right choice of trading up and drafting him. Mason. Isn't that already true? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's such a low bar for the Bears quarterback um, that it's going to, it, I don't think it's going to be hard for him to establish himself as that. The thing that, bugged me the most about Mitch and I, I, I hate to keep bring, dragging him down but it was the inability to be in the limelight I mean Chicago is a football city and the QB1 in Chicago is a, has to be a star I mean you know Mitch was the guy in theory they were saying turning off the TVs because you know didn't want to hear the chatter you he Justin Fields was you know QB1 did that show in high school he you know obviously did the rookie show we talked about there's he gravitates to it and it's not even like he's this highly look at me guy people just gravitate to him he just has this awe about him and with that combined with just the pure talent he has and what he which he showed in college already and which i believe with the right system which i think Matt is going to put around him yeah i think he's going to be a sensational star he has an awe about him, and all, yeah, like watching him play. <laughs> Nick, how about you? Uh, is that true or false? I feel like Mason said it. It's already true. It's already true, and if it's not, <laughs> then then this could be bad. But there, we talked about everything that he's bringing to the table, who he is as a person, and what he's already experienced throughout his his college and high school career. He's he's meant for this, and he, he that's what he said early on in one of his press conferences. He was made for this. And that's what gives you hope that he can be that franchise quarterback that the Bears have been looking for since, what, the 1950s? Forever, over 70 years now? So, true. 
Yep. Uh, true indeed. You know, Justin Fields says he's made for this. He's built for this. And man, I, I buy into every word, every consonant, every syllable, every vowel, 115%. I'm buying what he's putting down. Uh, let's get into some fill in the blanks. When we look back at Justin Fields' rookie season, we will describe it as blank. I'm going to begin electrifying. Mason, how about you? Sensational. Dude, that was my second word. Because I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'll let you guys go first, and then I'll clean up. And I was like, no, I want to use electrifying. I put electrifying or sensational. So beautiful. Nick, how about you? Can you find a third synonym to this pizzazz that we're feeling right now? I'm going to say as advertised because of what we're getting from just from Ohio State to Chicago. As advertised is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best one in this draft. So as advertised. Right on. Next fill in the blank. We will see Justin Fields make his first career start in week blank. Let's go to Mason because Nick was already doing the math. First quarter of the season. Wow. I love it. That's not that's not even so that's not even the week one. That's his first quarter immediately. That's that's wonderful stuff. I love the enthusiasm. Nick, where do you see Fields making that first start? I think I said 10 games is where I expect him to play. I know I, I said I'd include playoffs, but we'll say regular season. So I think that would be the San Francisco 49ers game, if I'm not mistaken, on Halloween night, where Justin Fields makes his you know, first appearance as a Bears starter. So we'll go there, but I would not be shocked if it's, what is that, week four against the, the Detroit Lions. So that's October 3rd. That would be, hey, Andy Dahl's not getting it done in the first three weeks. To Detroit, throw him against him, and then let him just take over. It's like, hey, you had Mitch. Walk, you know, meet your new king, the Lions Slayer, <laughs> and Justin Fields. What an e, what a nice way to begin some divisional play for us there. Uh, that would be tremendous if that's the case. I had Week Eight 49ers with you, Nick. You know, it's Halloween. I'm assuming around Halloween is that home or away? Do you remember? That is home. And you're actually, wearing, you're wearing those orange uniforms, like for sure. Yeah, what man? When did Trubisky make his first? It was around I Halloween. I thought I think it was Halloween, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look this up real quick, but it seems it was. I know it was a it was a night game, but I will was it Halloween versus the Vikings? No, yeah, I know it was versus the Vikings. Monday Night Football. Uh, and it was October. Hmm. I feel like it was sooner than that because it was only a few weeks. No, it could have been around Halloween if you're a few weeks. No, no. Okay, it looks like it was on um, October 9th. So. Yeah. Mm. I, I said October, people. So there we go. But no, I think that game makes a lot of sense. You have the Buccaneers before. If you show up against Tampa Bay, who we beat last year, and you can't get it done with Andy Dalton, but you think you're a quarterback away, I think that's just perfect evidence. And we talked about earlier, if Justin's showing you all the things in practice, like he's the guy and everyone's believing this is the guy, and you just have a perfect case study that says, hey, we can't beat the defending champions with our current quarterback situation. We're one QB away, but we think this guy can do it. The next week is the perfect opportunity to kind of hand that baton over and give it over to Justin Fields. So that's when I think it will happen. But it's the NFL, it's the Chicago Bears, whatever makes most sense. Probably won't be exactly how it plays out, but, you know, thus is life. And the last fill-in-the-blank. The quarterback room got better this offseason, and the most improved aspect of it is certainly blank. Nick, what's the most improved aspect or element of this QB room? 
the ability to improvise when a play breaks down. So I know it's a, a handful, but that's why it's improved and more so improved than what Trubisky or Nick Foles can bring. It's what they can do when things aren't on schedule. That's why it's such an improved group. And ultimately that is because of Justin Fields. Well done. Mason, you? I'm going to go more general, more obtuse and say just our future. As, even the last couple of years, from the, the moment Mitch was drafted, it was just, there was a weird feeling in the air. It was more of like, it wasn't this excitement level. It was just, okay. Like, you know, you were just kind of like trying to force, at least that's how I felt. I was trying to force myself to be excited. I was trying to force myself to look away the other way, right? You heard all these beat writers say, it just doesn't look right in training camp. And I went on for years and you're just like, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's going to be fine, right? It, it's He's going to get it this time. He threw six touchdowns against the Buccaneers. It, it, he, that's, not, that's our Mitch. That's the real – and you just tried to convince yourself that this was going to be the answer. And then Nick Foles came in here, you know, he threw it to the L, and you're like, all right, this is it. Now we have a quarterback. And in all reality, in the back of your head, you're just like, you know that there isn't necessarily a true future. When you look at these other teams with people like the Kyler Murrays and Josh Allens and Deshaun Watson's ish, kind of depending on the situation, and Patrick Mahomes, that you're like, that's there's a future there. We got that now. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, man, I'm excited thinking about it. Uh, for me, I'm saying that the most improved aspect is brain power. Uh, I think Justin Fields brings that in bunches, and Andy Dalton is still light years ahead of what Mitchell Trubisky was. And you still have Nick Foles, who's been around the league, still a very smart guy. Maybe the body just isn't there at this juncture of his career, but I do think this is a very smart QB room that should only benefit Justin Fields in the long run. So brain power, I think, is where we got most improved, both in the locker room, in the quarterback's room, on the field pre and post-snap. The whole kit and caboodle, the brain power is certainly there. So, guys, we've done all of that, and it's time to get into our quarterback bold predictions. So, Mason, what's going to be your bold prediction for the Bears QBs here in 2021? Uh, without permission from either of my co-hosts, I decided to go my own category of bold, stupid Kool-Aid drinking prediction, and, I, oh, and I'm living with it. I have spent eight, looked at 89 players with more logic. I'm going with my heart. I don't care. In week one versus the Rams, the quarterback who will be in the game during the final drive of the game tying to lead the Bears to victory will be Justin Fields. That is so ultra-specific. I'm glad you gave it its own category, and I, I accept it. That was tremendous, and I love the creativity behind it as well as how much of you led with that heart. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate it. Probably won't happen, but I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's bold, though, and honestly, I just love how minute and specific it is. That's tremendous stuff. How about I'm leaving you? some wiggle room just in case, like, there's an injury or something. There's there's wiggle room. There is a little bit, but still specific enough that my jaw kind of dropped just a, a little <laughs> bit as it kept kind of coming with more details. Love it. Love it a lot. Nick, how about you? What's going to be your bold prediction for the QBs? I'm just thinking about that moment, actually. Well, like, imagine how electric, like, how excited Chicago would or, Like, you have all the nerves going in, and then you see Justin Field, number one, walk, on, walk out, out into the field. Oh, my goodness. That, that's fantastic there mason but mine is i've been talking about explosive plays and we've all been talking about explosive plays and the lack of them for this bears offense especially really since matt nagy's gotten here since 2018 so i think regardless of how many games Andy dalton starts or when justin fields gets in 
the Bears will go from being one of the last place explosive rate teams. And in terms of play rate, they were 31st this in 2020, and then they were dead last in 2019. With a combination of those two, more so Justin Fields, they will go and be a top half of the league uh, in terms of explosive play rate. So we'll put him at 15 there because of what he can provide in terms of that deep ball accuracy placement and just adding that element of excitement and much needed excitement for this Bears offense. So that's a bold prediction. Once this season is over with, the Bears will be one of the better teams in generating explosive plays and the Bears offense's team will be far, far better for it. All right. Very well done there as well, Nick. I think those explosive plays, as you said, they've been lacking. So getting any improvements is going to be great. But where you're hoping or predicting in this bold prediction, boy, that would just make this offense so much fun to watch. Even if there are a few drives here and there that kind of staggered, at least they have that big play potential. So that would be something surely uh, to get all of us excited. My bold prediction uh, I have, well, before I give my official bowl prediction, one of my other ones I noticed, so I said earlier, the Bears' rookie passing touchdown record's only nine, and I think Justin Fields, that's easy for him. We said he can sleepwalk to get that. I think there's a real possibility that he can break, I believe it's Gail Sayers' record for rookie touchdowns with 22. If he only gets 25, I think that record may be in jeopardy as well, but I think, Nick, you had a higher touchdown projection even earlier than 25, so that's not bold enough for me. So I'll take it one step uh, higher. I'm going to say, to Mason's point, Fields, well, Mason didn't have a point of Fields winning the job. I'm going to say Fields wins the job outright. Training camp preseason, Matt Nagy gives him the job, and then from there, he throws for more yards and touchdowns, plus less interceptions than all rookie quarterbacks, on his way for a Rookie of the Year award. So that's going to be my bold prediction for the Bears quarterbacks. Love it. <laughs> Let's go. Right? I, mean, I can see it happening, too. I mean, I know what Matt Nagy has said, right? He has said Andy is the starter. But with training camp and with preseason games, and again, we keep saying Justin's going to show us when he's right, when he's ready to start, he's ready to start. With everything we've seen, he has the tools to do that, right? So why why would we doubt otherwise? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Matt Nagy, I think Cliff said it actually in the chat earlier. Maybe he's a little f- shy and afraid of like being called a liar because like we've kind of questioned some of that honesty in the past. So maybe just kind of sticking to your guns a bit just to prove a point. But at the end of the day, we're here to win football games. And if that's what it takes, like if it's just that evident, you got to do what it takes, even if it's, you know, uh, putting your foot in your mouth just a little bit. I mean, hey, coach, let's have some humility. Throw it in there. Call Justin the starter, and let's get this train rolling. So I think, fellas, if this feels about right, at least if I'm gauging your emotions correctly, we're pretty confident uh, in this group. But is it confidence for the future, or is it confidence for this season? That is the question. So what is your confidence meter for the Bears quarterbacks, specifically in 2021? Mason? So I'm going to preface this by saying, because of what I, my goals are for the Bears, right? My goals for the Bears, it's not to win a Super Bowl this year. It's not even to like, you know, make the NFC championship game. It's to create a foundation at the quarterback position that you are excited about and that can win in long term in the future. So because of that, my confidence is at a 9.5. All right. I love how you build up towards it. 
it's kind of like to this episode. We put it on its head a bit. And instead of just saying, here's my number and why, you're like, here are a few things, and that's why I'm here. Really good stuff. Mason, Nick, how about you? Are you higher or lower than a 9.5? I think I'm higher, and you know, we're just flat. <laughs> Look, I'm at a 10. Here's the reason why, you guys. We have said everything that Justin Fields can do, and we could see things happen throughout in spurts of this season. Like I was saying, my success for him, don't make that same mistake twice. But this is the best quarterback the Bears have ever had. And now, now it's just about letting it kind of unfold and let it kind of go at its own pace. So regardless of what this record is at the end of the 2021 season, Mason said it best. It's about building that foundation, and it starts with Justin Fields. The Bears have him. So I'm at a 10 of what the Bears' future is finally like at the quarterback position. I don't know if we've ever given out a 10. I don't know if we ever will, but he is that type of player. You said it earlier, Will, like whatever – Justin Fields is saying the the syllable, whatever it may be, you believe you just believe it, right? And I truly do believe that. And I've never felt that felt that way about any other player, especially someone who's on the Bears. So they got the right guy. They made the right decision. It's weird to say that. And it's still weird to kind of grasp that Justin Fields is the Bears quarterback, but he is, and the foundation is, I think, set. It's just when it eventually happens where he does become that guy, we just got to let it, you know, watch it happen. But I'm at a 10. The Bears made the right decision, and Justin Fields is the guy to change really everything. Okay, hat tip to you, Nick, for the 10. Because, see, I was sitting here, and I had a 9, and I'm at a 9. I'm going to just keep my number where it's at. I'm not going to just change it on the spot. It's a 9. It's an amazing number for a Bears quarterback. Wouldn't have we ever been over maybe a 6 ever since we started doing confidence (laughs) meters and countdown at camp? Never. So a nine I'm happy with. But kudos for you guys for going all the way up there. But I swear my nine is blasphemous. Like You guys are going to insult me and like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit, Will. We're looking at this year specifically, and you're both shaking your head like, no, let's raise that number up. But you guys hit on so many good points. Again, Andy Dalton, for as long as we need him out there on the field, I think he's as good as a bridge that you can ask for in a league, especially given our situation just one year ago. And then with Justin Fields, you have the future literally in your hands right now, just waiting in the wings with all of the potential in the world. Again, checks every damn box that you want, and then some. Best Bears quarterback prospect ever, hands down, done, no argument needed. And then also, you have the Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles, just kind of hanging out, making some good money on vacation, retiring a little early here, practicing a little bit, watching the game from the sideline. He has a good life. But all in all, I think 9 is tremendous. 9.5 is even better. And 10.0, Nick, man, that just is icing on the cake. So I love the confidence. And as a Bears fan, I just hope it's not one of those times where you get that confidence up and then you rip your heart out. But Nick, you said it. It feels different. I'm buying what Justin Fields is selling. I want more of it. And hopefully everything that we've talked about here today about what Andy Dalton provides – what Justin Fields is going to bring us here in the future, whether that's today, tomorrow, or or a little bit more down the road. Hopefully it all pans out exactly how we're all anticipating because the potential is certainly there. Okay, we just talked about 90 players. We're a little long here at the hour and a half mark on this one, and that's more than okay, but that does it for Countdown to Camp. Uh, So Mason and Nick, uh, thank you both uh, for all your hard work. 
doing your homework, all the efforts you put in, being flexible and when we record these uh, throughout our summer. And again, it's July 19th, the night that we're recording this. And we started doing Countdown to Camp. Off into the Line was the first episode, second to last week of May. And it feels like camp is so far away. But I swear, we're just hanging out with you guys, talking Bears football, researching all these players. You blink, and Bears camp is here. So that's why I love doing this one, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same. Um, but I wanted to make sure to share my gratitude for both of you because without your hard work, this show would not be what it is. And I do believe our Countdown to Camp from a – podcast perspective is the most in-depth positional preview that you can find in any team and not just the bears is there anything that you guys want to end the show with mason i'll go to you first well yeah i just want to thank you guys the chat the listeners and, and podcast and everything for giving me an outlet to talk my ridiculous bears nonsense because you know my wife and my co-workers and patients can only hear so much of it and it you know it's amazing how many packers fans uh infiltrate you know in my clinic and you know Y'all, y'all keep me me sane, and like I said, let me be ridiculous with my Justin Fields predictions. So, thank you for that, and you know, thank you Ryan Pace for getting QB one. Right, gotta send some kudos up to the big man and Ryan Pace. How about you, Nick? What do you want to end this show and specifically Countdown to Camp with? I'll just say this for anybody who has maybe missed any of these countdown to camp episodes, there's still time to do so to catch up before training camp actually starts. So go back, whether you listen and watch on YouTube or you're on Spotify, whatever it may be, make sure to go check these out. So when training camp is officially here on the 27th, you'll know everything you need to know what our perspective and our analysis is on each one of these players. Cause we ran through all of them. And now like when we started it, Training camp did seem far away, but it is literally right around the corner. So hopefully, you know, we get tickets to go attend or maybe passes to cover practice with a credential. So um, just to make sure for all of our listeners, go back and go through this series, get caught up. And, you know, by the time you do all that, training camp will be here. Yeah, plenty of content to get you between now and training camp if you missed any of those positional previews. And I think, you know, if you listen to this point of this episode so far, how we set these up, they're pretty evergreen. Listening it to like offensive line in May, it's pretty much like if we just did the episode right now. It hasn't really changed now. Maybe at the top, there's some news that we talked about that may feel a little old, but the actual meat and potatoes of the episode is everything that you need to know about every single player at every single position on this team heading into training camp. And if you end up going to camp, you'll know who this undrafted free agent out of you know, wherever came from, you'll know all the ins and outs from the bottom to the very top of the roster, uh, as we've kind of outlined and laid out over the past couple of months. So that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank to everyone, you know, who's here watching the live stream. I love watching those comments roll in. I know it was the quarterback show and I anticipated the chat to be pretty fire. And it seems like it really was here this evening. I know this was our sixth summer doing countdown to camp. I just want to thank you for the opportunity to do it yet again, whether it's here on YouTube or of course, the podcast, we appreciate each and every one of you. One last reminder to leave a review of our show over an Apple podcast, only six away from our goal of 700. We'll be giving away one free Bears jersey to one lucky reviewer. Once we hit that goal, those really do go a long way towards helping us. And as we kind of hopefully are getting to that next chapter of getting some credentials that I think can only continue to help us even more. So even though countdown to camp's over, guess what? We're going to be back later this week. That's right. Even though countdown to camp is complete, we're not done with our bears coverage before training camp begins. So what exactly do we have up our sleeve? Well, 
eh, give us a couple days and you're going to find out. So until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.